Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Soda Pod is proudly presented by 7th Avenue Pizza. 7th Avenue Pizza produces the highest quality, best tasting frozen pizza available in the market today. If delicious toppings are what you crave, look no further. Try the meat sauce pizza today because it wails, folks. Follow them at 7th Avenue Pizza to stay current on where you can grab yours today. Get you some 7th Avenue Pizza today. Now let's get right to the show. Okay, we are back. We're back. Um, I'm back. You never left. I did. My bad. Uh, anyways, Judd's Buds episode, whatever it is. 30 something? 31? Couldn't tell you. Uh, as always, your host, Spoked Z, at Spoked Z on Twitter, all that normal shit. Nothing's changed. Uh, still no OnlyFans. Uh, listen. Yeah, so if you've been tuning in every week, I apologize for missing last week. Um, obviously, there was no episode that came out on Tuesday. Uh, had a little bit of a weird little health scare thing. Um, pretty much just couldn't move. So uh, we decided, you know what, let's take the week off. Let's regroup. Let's get a little energy together here uh, and come back strong. Um might not come back that strong. Uh, still battling a little bit of a cough, but we're we're uh, soldiering on here. Uh, it won't fucking go away. These goddamn fucking allergies uh, really just getting to me. Um, I think like every year though, like we're all saying, "Oh man, pollen is just so bad this year." 
But I'm telling you, I think this is the year. I think this is the year that it's it's worse than all the other ones. I'm convinced. Um, but anyways, yeah. So obviously didn't no episode last week. Uh sorry again. Um let's see if we can make up for it. We're gonna do a mailbag today because it's officially been what, like over a week and a half now since the wild have been eliminated. We've all dissected that thing to death. No one really needs to hear my take. Um I mean, it is what it is, right? It's a great regular season, best one we've ever seen, the most exciting hockey uh, we've seen in Minnesota, probably since the Wild returned to Minnesota. Um, and it all kind of just goes to shit when you you lose the way it did. Um, it'd be one thing if they were in every game and it was close, but you know, all four losses were it felt like complete fucking blowouts. Uh, game four really did feel like the nail in the coffin. You had them against the ropes. You know, they have half their defenses out injured. Uh, you know, they're going back and forth between, you know, Bennington, you give them the opportunity and whatever. But again, you guys don't hear my take. We've all beaten that shit to death. Um, and now it's time to move on and get ready for the off season. Uh, first piece of business, obviously, is the Kevin Fiala thing. Listen, he's gone. It sucks. He's gone. He's traded. There's just no bringing him back. It really doesn't sound like they're interested in even bringing him back. I will say if there's one GM that would figure out a way to do it, it would be Billy Guerin. But if he just listened, and I'm sure he's sick of answering these fucking questions. I was, I was talking to someone about it, dude. They were like, you should hear him not recorded like he's just sick of these fucking questions about dumba and about fiala um but yeah so the writing's on the wall um you know it was the perfect fit obviously the playoffs happen and everyone forgets about the regular season that he had um you know if it wasn't for Kirill kaprizov he would be the he would have had that franchise record for most points in his season he was unbelievable especially when matt boldy comes up it looked like a partnership that could work for years and years to come you know then you get excited thinking about the possibility of a line with fiala rossi and boldy one day but um it is what it is man and now you just hope that you can get the best possible return for the kid um and i really do hope he finds a home somewhere signs long term and just picks up where he left off in minnesota uh, a lot of people ask have asked over you know however long really all year what the trade package for kevin fiala looks like and um you know, I I do think you're looking at probably just a first round pick and a prospect. I don't know how much more people really want or expect, but you got to remember the kid's going to be a free agent in one year. He's going to be UFA. So wherever he goes, um, either they're OK with doing a one year and just letting them walk or maybe they sign for a couple years, whatever it is. Um, but, you know, it kind of hurts the trade package unless you're letting them talk to the team before about an extension, which I'm sure they would. Um, but I don't. I just don't see much more than you know a, a first round pick and a solid prospect. So, um, you know the teams are out there. You look at teams like Ottawa's always been in the mix. I think that pick plus you know some kind of high end prospect, maybe even a Ridley Gregg would make sense. Um, you look at teams like LA is another one that makes sense. Anaheim also makes a little bit of sense too. You look at the young talent there, how electrifying that could be. Uh, but there are teams, there are plenty of teams that would love to add Kevin Fiala. There are plenty of teams that have, um, you know, the need and the assets. Um, and if you're Minnesota, you're just looking for the best, the best partner and the best package. So, you know, we'll see what happens. Um, but it's been real. He's a beauty. And uh, it sucks that he's going to go. But that's just what it is. So, 
with that all said, um, let's just get into some questions here. I forgot to start writing stuff. Okay. First question, as always, my guy, Corey, in the Gmail. Hi, Mr. Z. Hi, Mr. Corey. Uh, what are you watching this summer? What are the next big events for prospects? It feels like things go quiet this time of year, so I'm curious to, uh, what you're tracking or watching until the draft. Yep, so this summer is going to be a little bit of an interesting one, right? Um, you know, they're doing the World Juniors, Sants, Russia. Um, so that'll be something to watch. It'll be interesting to see who goes. Um you know what NHL teams are comfortable letting kids go there. And then, um, you know, what kids that were there in the winter, the original world juniors that will not be there. Um, I have a feeling it might be a little bit of a dud of a tournament, but I'll definitely be tuning in. Um, you know, any summertime hockey sign me up. Uh, there's also the, um, the summer showcase. I think that's still going on despite the world juniors happening. So that's always a big one right after the draft. And then really leading up until the draft, I'm, um, you know, going in and, and watching as many of the draft kids as possible. Um, and then usually after the draft, I'll look at, you know, specifically Bruins and wild, whoever they picked, I'll go and I'll watch films and I'll cut film that way. Um, you know, and then I'll be watching, you know, clips from this season of other teams, looking at potential fits, potential trades, signings, whatever, all that good stuff. But, um, yeah, the two big ones are really that um, there's going to be the, the World Juniors. Um, <coughs> and that there, there's a cough, um, you know, the Summer Showcase. And uh, there's also out here, there's a bunch of good summer leagues that I like to go to last year. I started going to the Foxborough mass. They have the, uh, it's the elite prep school kids. That was really fun to go to a lot of the, uh, kids that are going to be drafted this year were there last year. A couple of kids that are even younger going to be drafted, you know, next year and beyond. Um, but I'll be a little bit of, I'll be around, um, you know, I'll try to get out to see as many different showcases and, and, uh, tournaments that way in person as possible. But, um, yeah, the two big ones, I guess the summer will be the summer showcase, which again, I'm assuming is still happening, uh, in the world juniors. Um, but yeah, Corey also asks now that we know the wild will have a first round pick, who is Judd picking in that spot need something to be happy about after losing in the playoffs. Yeah. So they're not going to get too high of a pick. Let me just remember. I don't actually remember if it's been, you know, once you get eliminated, I'm not sure if it's first <laughs> for certain. <clears throat> I want to say they're picking what? 25th. What are they picking? Um, but there could be some good kids there. Um, that's not it. God damn it. I'm trying to finagle around this. I have to put the microphone up. There we go. Um, sec. There we go. Um, okay. So let's see. Do we know where they're picking for sure yet? 26th, I think it is. Yes, 26th. Um, there's going to be a lot of players. I've said this before when people ask about the draft. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of good players that do fall farther than they should. Um you know, for a few reasons. Number one, there are some kids that are going to go higher than they probably should. It sounds like a lot of NHL teams are 
really taken a run at the whole size thing. Um, so, I mean, listen, every kid that's going to go in the top 10, 15, um, they're studs. I mean, they're going to be good players. Um, <laughs> but, you know, there were a couple guys ranked way too high for me. Um, that's going to make it interesting to see where people fall. And then, you know, along with that, you know, we'll see what you get for that Kevin Fiala pick. If you can flip that and get the seventh pick from Ottawa, you're cooking here. Like you, with where we're seeing some of these kids being projected um, and ranked by NHL teams, guys like Cutter Gauthier, who even made it into the top like five or three or something like that um, <coughs> for North American skaters from the NHL, um, the, the what's it called? Oh my God. Central scouting. Um, you know, if you have a possibility of taking, you know, Nemitz, the right shot D, the Slovakian kid, or Yurchek at seven, I think Yurchek will probably end up going top three or four. For me, him and him and Nemitz have always been two, three, right behind Shane Wright. Um, but if one of those two falls, I mean, sign me up. That would be great if you get, again, this is assuming you get that seventh pick from Ottawa if Ottawa trades um, for Kevin Fiala. But other than that, you know, in the 26th spot, there are a bunch of really good players, man. If Liam Ogren falls, I love Liam Ogren. Yuri Kulich, um, another kid from Czechia Center, probably going to be a wing in the National Hockey League, but um, just a solid all-around player, really dynamic offensive skill set, a little bit undersized, but uh, good skater, good hands. Uh, high offensive hockey IQ. Um, <clears throat> still battling. Um, you know, a kid like Owen Beck out of the OHL is another center, but um, you know, you're, you're probably looking for those D, especially the right shot D. Um, <clears throat> there's gonna be a lot of guys that'll be there though. Elias Salmonson from Shaleftia, uh, another good option there. Um, he fell off a little bit, but a big boy's fucking huge. How tall is he? I think he's like six three, six four. Um, big boy, right shot D. No, he's only six two. Um, but you know, another kid offensive upside. <clears throat> but you know, there's gonna be a lot of kids like that that fall. And you know, I think a lot of people have talked about this draft having you know really high upside, and then as it gets down to like the end of the first round and beyond, it's not that great. I think that's a little bit aggressive. I think every draft you find your players. Um, but I do think there are guys that, that are going to fall into those twenties and beyond that, that probably shouldn't, you know, along with that, they'll have another second round pick. So they'll have, they should have two, I believe the one from Vancouver, um, or Vancouver second round pick. And then, um, the one that they'll get, I think it's 56th, uh, once Philip Johansson officially doesn't sign or whatever, I think it's June 1st. <laughs> I am dead. Um, but yeah, so, you know, you're looking at guys that it should be down there in terms of defensemen, Elias Salomonson, who, you know, depends who you ask another kid, Liam Bichel, he's a left shot plays in the, uh, the, or he plays in the SHL for Lexons. I think he's a Swiss kid. He beats the wheels off people. He's a big giant mutant, but he's got a little bit of offensive upside too, but, uh, depends what you're really looking at in terms of what position you're looking to get, um, you know, again, for the defenseman down there, Elias Salmonson is not a bad option. I love Cali Odelius. He's a left shot. He can play the right side, though. He's one of my favorites in this draft that's projected to go anywhere from, like, 15 to 30. Um, <laughs> so I think he'd be a really good pickup there, too. 
Um, and then, you know, a kid like Owen Pickering or um, I honestly have just no idea where these kids are going to fall. Just the, the projections are all over the place. So who knows? Maybe you end up with Denton Matejchuk and him and Damon Hunt can rip apart uh, the National Hockey League together, just like they rip apart the WHL. Um, I would love to hear some thought. This is also Corey. I would love to hear some thoughts on Nick Sweeney. It seems like he's considered a legit prospect, but watching Iowa, he certainly hasn't seemed to stand out more than players like Mason Shaw, who are considered borderline NHL players. What am I missing? Yeah. So uh, Nick Sweeney had a really, really, really good year. He started off hot. He had like eight goals in the first six games or something. Uh, you know, he went cold for a little bit, got hurt, uh, but he's been unbelievable since he left Duluth and had played in Iowa. Uh, not the flashiest of player, but every once in a while, you'll see the bit of that skill. He's got really good hands. He's got a great shot. It's just got a nose for the net. Um, so he was one of their better players all year, all year long. One of their more consistent guys. And he really found a home on a line with Dominic Turgeon and Joseph Cremarosa on that third line for Iowa. Um, they did a little bit of everything, but you know, Nick Sweeney, again, he's a little bit undersized, um, you know, not the most flashy, but the, the skill's definitely there. And every once in a while, you'll see it. It's a couple sick toe drag goals this year. Um, but he's a really fun player to watch. Um, you know, is it a sure thing that he's an NHL prospect? No, but he's definitely put himself in the conversation. I think towards the end of the year, I was saying, you know, if they if they were in the position to start bringing guys up from Iowa to get looks, like they brought up Mitchell Chafee, they gave him a couple games. Um, you know, Nick Sweeney was probably right up there, like next in line. So I would definitely look for him to make, to make a push, um, you know, to get a couple games next season for sure. I think, you know, if he does make it <laughs> in the NHL, it'll be a bottom six guy with a little bit of skill. Um, you know, and Tim army says they don't have a checking line, which is, I mean, okay. But, um, you know, he could play on a checking line. He can play in a defensive role. He plays on both sides of the puck. Um, you know, he's a decent skater. He just does a little bit of everything for you. But um, offensively, he was solid. He was a really fun player to watch. He was really, really, really good for them this season. Um, I do think that he's going to push to get a couple games next season. I got to see what his contract is. <coughs> uh, he's up, so he's an RFA. So there you go. We'll see what happens. Um, but yeah, how many goals did he fucking score this year? He was right up there. Uh, 16 goals, 22 assists, and uh, for 38.62 games. Um, you know, before that, 28 points and 28 games at Duluth. But, um, hey, he's young, first of all. Um, and you know, he's a college kid. So, you know, it's a little bit of that college skill set where it's kind of just, you know, make it work. Um, you know, it doesn't, it's not the most textbook, like perfect hockey play, but. He's kind of just again, he's got a knack for the net and he's a scorer. So, um, and the fact that he's able to play on both sides of the puck again, I think he does give himself a shot. He was probably, in terms of wingers, one of their more consistent players all year long and he was scoring. So, um, I do, <laughs> I do think he's a really fun player to watch. Um, <laughs> and they do, this. oh my God, I'm dying. <laughs> Not good. Um, but, but yeah, he is still borderline. Um, you know, I, I think it, people have to remember when we're watching, or especially me, when I'm watching these games and I'm I'm tweeting out about how good 
or how well players are playing or plays that they're making. It doesn't always mean, oh, this kid is awesome. He's an A prospect. It just means, hey, he's doing a lot of the little things right or he's making plays in a noticeable. He's putting himself in a position to, to get a look, I think. So is it a sure thing that he plays NHL games? No. But like I've said probably 12 times the last 30 seconds now, he's putting himself in that conversation. He's giving himself a shot. So uh, I think next year's Iowa team could be really fun. I'm going to be curious to see what they do with the UFAs, guys like Kyle Rao, Dominic Turgeon, Baddock, Nolan Stevens, um, because they could roll out a really, really fun young Iowa team. Um and, you know, I think Nick Sweeney just adds to that. I mean, he's a little bit older than – I mean, he's still young, but he's 24, so it's this is like right around the time where if he's going to make it in the NHL or be an NHL player, he's got to do it. But uh, <coughs> he could be, um, you know, a guy that absolutely gets a, gets a shot. Um, and I thought by the end of the year that he did earn it. So, um, you know, again, is the most flashy? No. Is it going to be point per game? No. Uh, so, you know, especially Minnesota, it's probably harder to, to crack that team, but, um, you know, I do think that he's got something to offer there and, um, you know, if he can get maybe a little bit more dynamic than offensive zone, he puts himself, puts himself right there. So again, I thought he deserved a shot by the end of the year. It just didn't really happen that way, but, um, you know, we'll see what they do with his contract and we'll see what happens next season. <coughs> Man. AJ Fredrickson, <clears throat> despite the Wild and Bruins both losing the first round, did dude still rock? <laughs> yes, um, that never goes away. Matthew, a lot of people think Fiala is going to Ottawa for Bransom <clears throat> or Yarventi or Jarventi, however the fuck you say his name, uh, and a first round pick. Thoughts on two prospects possibly involved, and who do you draft as seventh overall? Um, I'd be curious to see what they would think of a kid like Brandstrom. He's actually now driving Ottawa fans insane. He really had a, a fall from grace. He was looked at like, you know, again, he's part of that uh, Mark Stone train. They're looking at him like, hey, we just replaced Eric Carlson. It just has not worked at all. Um, <laughs> how much of that is just Ottawa? I don't know. You know, the kid's still young. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm going to go insane. Um you know, 15th overall pick uh, in 2017. Um, you know, he was super prop. There was just a lot to his game that was really fun to watch. Um, you know, he's a good skater. He's got the super high offensive IQ. He's a good passer. He's really just a good offensive defenseman, but it just has not worked out in Ottawa for him. Again, he's still only 22 years old. So, um, you know, I'd be curious. I'm not sure if that would really be the one that they would be looking to. Because um, at this point, he's probably looking to be a full-time NHL player. I think he played like 50-something games a season for Ottawa, right on 14 and 15 assists or something. But he's not a left-shot D, so, you know, I'm not really sure how inclined they'd be to, to take a run at him. Um... <laughs> oh, my God. I'm going to – I'm so – I'm getting angry now. Um. Who was the other one that you had just mentioned? Oh, Yarventy. Yarventy is interesting one too. Um, you know, I, again, I think if you're going Ottawa, I think that you know you're probably if it's a seventh overall pick, and then you go for Robbie Yar or not Robbie uh, uh, Ridley Ridley Gregg. That's probably the one you really do want. He just fits exactly what Bill Garrett would like in a player, especially up front. 
Um, <laughs> Yarvati is another good one, though. You know, 205 pounds, six foot three left wing. Um, decent year um, for Belleville this season. I think he had like 30 or 40 points in 70 something games. Um, I like him, but I'm not sure he really moves the needle for me a ton. Um, you know, in terms of the Fiala trade, but I think that's more so me just like being, hey, if we're going to go for a, for a prospect and a first-round pick, I'm looking at Ridley Gregg. Maybe the seventh overall part, you know, knocks you down a peg. I mean, this is a second-round pick in 2020. He's 19 years old. Uh, <coughs> it's finished good. <coughs> I am dying. This is not good. Uh, but he plays well at full speed. Um, you know, good hands, good control, good – in the offensive zone uh you know he's a tough kid he's gonna racks up the pims every once in a while so you know he's not a bad one i, I wouldn't mind i'd prefer that over a kid like branstrom i just think your your defensive prospect pool is so deep that you're not really especially at the left shot that i'm not sure how much he would really move the needle for you but you know a kid like yarvin i don't even know how the fuck you say his name but you know i do like him i wouldn't be all that opposed to him. Um, I'm sure Ottawa wouldn't really be thrilled about giving him up, but I'm sure they wouldn't really be thrilled about giving up Ridley Gregg either. But I would definitely, my number one package would be the, the number seven pick <laughs> and Ridley Gregg. Um, but, you know, if it was the seventh overall pick and then Yarbrough, yeah, I wouldn't complain about that either. I think he's just a solid player. So uh, definitely wouldn't be bad for sure. And then again, seventh overall, we did talk about that a little bit. You know, if you if one of Nemitz or Yerchek somehow ends up falling to seven, you jump all over that. Um, you know, there are a couple other defensemen there, but, you know, I'm curious to see who falls because if Frank Nazar's there, which it sounds like he might be because teams are going for the size thing, oh, my God, you jump all over that kid. Um, you know, if Logan Cooley's there, you jump all over Logan Cooley. I don't think he'll be there. I'm sure he'll go top five. Um, I think Slavkovsky's probably got himself into the conversation as top three. So, um, you know, if, I'm telling you, if 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 Simon Nemitz falls to number seven and you are picking at number seven, you are jumping all over that kid. This kid is going to be a stud in the National Hockey League, and I really do think there might be a chance that he somehow falls to seven, which sounds crazy like saying falls to seventh overall. Um, <clears throat> but, again, the fact that, the NHL, they ranked their the central scouting ranked their North American skaters, and Cutter Gauthier was like top three or something. I think he might have even been two or three, which is insane over like Logan Cooley. Um, it makes me wonder if they really are the NHL teams are being weird about this whole size thing. So, you know, you look at Frank Nazar, you jump all over that kid if he's there at seven. Simon Emmett, you absolutely jump all over that kid. But those are two guys that you would consider undersized. So um, I don't think Judd Brackett's really concerned about that. But, you know, I know Bill Guerin, he's got his preference. So um, those would be two guys for me that I would jump all over, though. If, they, if they're there at seven, I don't know how you don't take either one of those two. And I would probably lean towards, towards Simon Nemitz. Actually, before we go further, let's pay some bills here. Let's talk about DraftKings. Hey, hockey fans, the pursuit for the Stanley Cup is on, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has un an unbelievable offer for the most exciting playoffs in sports. New customers can bet $5 on any team to win and get $100 in free bets no matter what, win or lose. 
looking to turn a small bet into a big payday during the playoffs with DraftKings same game parlays, you can do just that. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more. It's your shot at an even bigger payout. DraftKings. <laughs> oh no, I was so close. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download. <laughs> oh my God. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now. Use promo code THPN. Bet five dollars on any NHL team to win and bet a, and win a hundred and free bets no matter what. That's code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. That was pathetic. I literally. Oh, this isn't going well. This is not going well at all. My voice. Oh no, this is a disaster. Everything's bad. Um, oh my god, did you hear that? This is horrible. I feel terrible. Okay, I'm gonna soldier on. I'll probably keep bitching as I keep coughing. Okay, Kyle Marlowe, what will be the surprise move that BG Bill Guerin makes this offseason? Ah, uh, god, I don't really know. He just he doesn't really have a whole lot of options whatsoever. So, um <coughs> You know, the biggest surprise move would be somehow keeping Kevin Fiala. Um, maybe a bigger surprise move would be like moving Fiala and Dumba. I don't think that's going to happen, but, um, you know, maybe that would be it. But he really does not have any options whatsoever. Like, it's going to be difficult enough just to add to this team, even if you just lose all of your free agents. Like, um, <coughs> It sounds like they're going to re-up Middleton, so now you've already got... Now you have seven NHL defensemen signed again, so Addison's supposedly coming in to challenge for a spot in camp. I don't really know how he does that, considering all the guys that are there, but, um, you know... I like I can't even make something up. Like what The wild move would be to go and get, like, Evgeny Malkin. Let him play with... Let him play, <laughs> play with Kirill. Oh, my God, I'm dying. Uh, <coughs> oh no yeah but no so this surprise move it's just like what do you do what does he got for cast phase right now seven seven million you want to bring back flurry which i have a feeling they might uh middleton he's gonna be making more than seven or twenty-five thousand. you let jordy ben walk of course uh connor dewey you gotta re-up he'll be nothing crazy he won't be more than a million i'd say um you know we'll see what they want to do with bukestad I feel like he'll probably be a cap casualty. It sounds like <laughs> Bill Guerin is all over bringing Nick Deloria back. So we'll see what that looks like. And then Fiala is probably gone. So <clears throat> I don't really know what you have left to do. Um, you know, we'll see what happens with some guys that are, you know, in the lineup that'll be here next year. I'm curious to see what happens in training camp, you know, Marco Rossi, I think he's probably going to end up making the team. Um, and maybe you just plug him right in a uh, good spot and you put good to the wing. Um, or do you give Tyson Joseph a little bit more of a look there? I think he's in, in line, you know, when he comes in at this point, at that point in the year, at the, at the deadline, you know, it's that team was humming. Um, and you know, they had those three lines that were going. So you didn't really get a, it wasn't a good time for him to get a ton of looks with guys like Fiala and Boldy. Although I thought when they did have the occasional shift together, they looked really good. 
Uh, that skill set's there. There's a reason he was drafted where he was drafted. Um, and I think that we did see it in spurts. He was kind of just used on that fourth line where he was playing with Deloria and Duhame, which is really, I mean, towards the end of the year, that's kind of like where offense goes to die. So curious to see if <laughs> Jost gets a look there. But, you know, <clears throat> I do think the big surprise move would be he somehow ended up keeping Fiala and then whatever um, – you know, bomb he would have to drop on the roster to do that would be. So uh, we'll see what it does with the goalies. But, um, you know, in terms of big surprise move, the three that I'll throw out there somehow keeps Fiala and in doing so blows up some part of the roster to do that. Uh, somehow ends up trading Fiala and Dumba or he goes out and signs of Genny Malkin in the offseason for like two years or something. That would be a banana lands move. Probably terrible. Hideki Nishida, how you doing? Who stays and who goes Minnesota Wild 2022 offseason edition? I mean, I kind of just went through it, right? So who stays, who goes? Kevin Fiala goes. Delorier, I think he's going to end up staying somehow, whether he should or shouldn't. Um, you know what's weird? I thought he was great the regular season to an extent. Uh, but then in playoffs, he was hurt, and then he kind of just like disappeared. And there wasn't anyone really to engage with him in the playoffs. So uh, kind of rendered, rendered himself a little bit useless. But I do, depending on what he's asking for. I know he likes it in Minnesota. I know he wants to stay, and I know Bill Garrett loves him. So um, I have a feeling he's going to end up staying. Bukestad, I have a feeling he'll end up walking. Uh, he just, I mean, he probably, I thought he probably could have played in the playoffs a little bit, but I mean, at that point, it was already too late. Uh, but I do think he ends up going, even though he, I'm sure he'd like to stay. There was just, you know, there are kids that are ready to play on that fourth line, and there's no, there's no really, other place for him to go in the lineup. Uh, Dewar stays. I think they resign him um, before the draft. <coughs> Jordy Ben, see ya. I think we all know that. Uh, Jacob Middleton, it sounds like they're going to bring him back. I don't know what that price tag is going to look like. He loves it here. They love him. Um, I actually thought he was pretty good in the playoffs. Uh, I thought him and Spurgeon got off to a rough start as they are getting used to each other, but towards the end of the year, I thought they were playing well together, and um, I did think he's actually one of their better defensemen in the playoffs. I thought he was pretty good, so... Um, Sounds like they're going to try to figure out a way to keep him. Um, and then Flurry, I don't know. I just, there's just no cast base. I don't know what he wants. I mean, he's made his dough um, and he does like it here. Um, I mean, like every guy says that at the end of the year, but it seems like he really was interested in trying to stay. Um, so I have a feeling that, mm, yeah, I, I would like to see them bring him in one or two years um you know you give wallstead a year in the ahl and then maybe um you know whether flurry or talbot's still here the year you know next year um or two years from now and you know you let let wallstead back one of those two guys up i think that could be fine <clears throat> i do think dumba stays um you know i wonder if they try to move a kulikov for a little bit of cap space other than that, there's just, I mean, who else would you really move? Tyson Jost, maybe. But even then, like, are you just clearing cap space? Like, clearing one or two million doesn't really do you much good. Um, unless you're just looking towards the deadline, which I don't think they're playing that far ahead right now. So, um, yeah, in terms of guys that I assume are gone would be Jordy Ben, maybe Kulikov, uh, Bukestad, and Fiala, unfortunately. Hideki, can you please find the wild coach who can fix our special teams? Thanks. Yeah, I mean, listen, the special teams sucked. 
<clears throat> I do think there's a little bit of a coaching issue. I think they're just it seems like on the power play they do like two or three things total. And then if it doesn't work, they're like, well, this is all we got. But at the same time, dude, like there's plenty of talent on that team to be better than like 16%. And I'm not really sure how much of it's coaching. Like I do think when like, you know, when Kevin Fiala is getting frustrated, he tries to do way too much and you can see on the power play, but I'm sorry, no matter how good or how bad your coaches are, if you can't enter the zone cleanly one time and on a two minute power play, that's not on the fucking coach, dude. Like get the puck in and just get something set up. Like, that to me goes beyond coaching. Like, like what, like what's a new coach going to do? Have you, have you tried entering the offensive zone with possession? Have you tried uh, passing it? But now that being said, again, when they do, it does feel like they're a little bit stagnant. They don't really have a whole lot of creativity despite the, the players that are on there. Um, and a lot of times it feels like they're just settling for shots from the point and hoping Erickson X like, putting home a rebound or Caprice off snipes from deep. So, um, you know, I'd like to see a little bit more movement, at least I know like Fiala and Caprice off, they'll be buzzing around and they'll be moving. But other than that, it's a little bit of too stagnant for me. So um, again, I don't really know how much I look at the coaches, but um, they definitely do become an easy target. You know, when it sucks that bad. <clears throat> Hideki also asked who stays and who goes the Iowa wild 2022 offseason edition. I have no idea. This is like the most unpredictable thing in the world. I think you're going to see guys come in. They're going to need centers. Cause I do think Rossi ends up making the team. Um, and in terms of guys who are coming to Iowa that are already in your system, there aren't really a whole lot of options at center. So I wonder if they go out and find some veterans to come down the middle and play. But, um, you know, you're looking at a really, really fun Iowa team. You got a couple of guys coming in up front. You know, Flad first off should be there next year unless they send it to the ECHL, which I don't think they would. <coughs> he looked pretty good when he got when he got in. Uh, Pavel Novak's going to be there. Josh Pillar should be there. Um, and then the back end, you've got Damon Hunt, Ryan O'Rourke, Simon Johansson. And in net, you're going to have Jesper Wallstad. So this team's going to be really, really fun. Um, I do think a good amount of defensemen will be gone or they'll be in the ECHL. Um, you know, I think you probably look at Dakota Mermis still being there. Otten Bright still being there. Depends where Addison starts next season. If he's in the NHL or if he's back in Iowa. I don't, I wonder what they really think of Addison right now. Um, you know, it's been pointed out. Maybe they're not super thrilled about the idea of having, Spurgeon, Dumba, and Addison, three undersized guys all on the right side. So maybe he's back in Iowa again. Um, but you're looking at a really fun team. Um, <laughs> you know, we'll see what they do with Hovanov. Um, you know, he's a natural center. They're not going to have centers. And Tim Army kind of like just called him fat, but he was asked about him. So, um, you know, if he gets in shape, he comes in, is a good offseason, that could be a really fun option. Um, but I do think you'll see a couple guys sign that are older that uh, maybe they're journeymen or towards the end of their careers that can play center. But, <clears throat> you know, Beckman, I'm assuming he's going to be in the AHL again or he'll be gone. Um, you know, guys like Mason Shaw, he'll be there. Um, I like Nolan Stevens a lot. And he was playing center, so I'm sure I bet they'd try to keep him. <clears throat> I thought he was playing really well towards the end of the year. 
Um, but yeah, we'll so we'll see who they bring in. But it could there's a lot of potential to have a really fun team. <coughs> All us new guys. <clears throat> this is a joke. I'm very upset about this. I'm in so much pain. It's crazy. Uh, Hideki also asked, do you have any rooting interest now that Minnesota and Boston are out of the playoffs? One Eastern and one Western team, please. Um, I don't really like any of the teams left in the East. Tampa just swept Florida. R.A.P. Andrew Burnett. Uh, John Cooper, not a not a Jack Adams coach, just swept the shit out of Burnett. I'm sorry. Like, I love that guy, but that'd be fun. Um, and he did that without Braden points. That's a problem. I hate Tampa Bay. Uh, I hate, hate, hate Carolina. I hate the Rangers. So that I don't really have an Eastern team left in me. Um, and then in the West, I hate the Blues. I kind of hate the Avalanche a good amount. I like Calgary, Edmonton's whatever. So I'll just say Calgary is my only real any rooting interest left. Um, I think Daryl Sutter's fucking hilarious. And I think Elias Lindholm rocks. I love Shillington. Lucic has my heart forever. So I'll say uh, Calgary's my squad. <clears throat> Hideki Nishida. Hey, Judd's Buds, Bruins edition. Can we all tip our hat and drink a stiff one for Patrice Bergeron? If it is indeed the end for him, all the recognition he got and he still think he was an underrated player. Can we hear you brag about him? I don't know if I could even think about that right now. Um, is he underrated? I don't know. I mean, he's going to, if he doesn't win the Selkie this year, it's a joke. Get rid of the NHL, PW, whatever. Uh, he's going to win the Selkie again. He's going to have the most Selkies in NHL history. He's the perfect human being. Literally, you'll never see anybody have a single bad word to say about him. He's got progressively better looking as he's gotten older, and he's a tough bastard. Um, you know, hey, Dumba played through the same thing. Dumba broke a rib, fractured a rib, punctured lung. Patrice Bergeron did that in the 2013 Cup Final. Um, but <coughs> he's just been <clears throat> a stud since he was 17. And if this is the year he goes out, it's a shitty way to end it. But the fact that he's, you know, 36, 37 years old and he just put up, if you look at his underlying defensive numbers, his best season of all time. Uh, I mean, he's just unbelievable. So... I love him. We've been so spoiled in Boston forever with guys like him. And if this is it, I don't really know what I'll do with myself. Hideki also asks, Hunt, O'Rourke, Johansson, if all three of those guys are in Iowa next season, do you think they put two of them on a pairing or do you think they put each of them on their own line like with a veteran? Um, it's a good question. I don't really know what Tim Army would be thinking. He kind of is all over the place. Um, like you saw Ottenbright playing with uh, Addison a lot. Um, so I'd be curious if they, I would like to see them put someone like, I mean, I guess it really does depend if Addison's down there, but um, you know, I could see them putting O'Rourke and Johansson together. I think O'Rourke's just so steady. Um, and he covers a lot of the defensive ground for a guy like Simon Johansson. And he can let him kind of flourish the offensive zone. Uh you know, in that case, we'll work. We play on his natural left side. He does play mostly on the right this year, but um, that would be interesting pairing for sure. Um, I could also see them, you know, pairing all three of those guys with with veterans. So, um, you know, the one thing I wouldn't see say is likely is you're good. You're, I don't think you're going to see a Damon Hunt with like Simon Johansson. I think that would be, I mean, it'd be hilarious, but uh, that probably wouldn't go too well with um, 
you know, I, I'm curious to see how David Hunt does next season. He got back in. He played um, in the last playoff game of the year this year. Came back his first game since like March. <coughs> um, he was clearly still hurt, but uh, I'm curious. To see, I'm excited to watch him in Iowa again. Um, <clears throat> the seven games he played two years ago, he was really good. And then I think this year he just, I don't know if he developed necessarily a lot of bad habits. I just know that he could play. Um, he could play, he could get away with more than he's going to be able to get, get away with in the AHL or in the NHL. So we'll see if, we'll see if that sticks or if he goes back to playing the way he should. Matty Ice, we keep Middleton. And if so, what do you think we'd pay him? I do think that they'll end up keeping him. I have no idea what this number is going to come out to be. I could see him getting, you know, in like a somewhere between three and four, maybe. Um, you know, if you're going to give him, I mean, even like that feels a little bit high for me. You know, the offense is limited. I mean, he's a solid player, but, um, you know, his first full season in the NHL, he's 26, 25 years old, 26. Um, so maybe you try to get him on three or four years at three point something, but, um, you know, maybe you can get him for less. I don't know. <laughs> I do think his skill set's a little limited, but, um, I think he compliments guys like Jared Spurgeon really well. So, I mean, that kind of works out well for you. Right. Um, so, I mean, I think that would be a fair, fair value. Um, you know, we'll see, I guess it all depends on the term though. Lisa Ann asks, What's the team's take on Beckman? I think they may have some issues with him, whether maturity or consistency or otherwise. Yeah. Um, I'm not entirely sure. There were some weird. So if you go and I made a comment about this, if you go and listen to Russo's podcast with Tim Army, I thought his answer about Adam Beckman was the weirdest fucking answer I've ever heard in my life. And it made no sense. And I, I no disrespect to Tim Army. I love the guy, but you know, um, Russo, you know, he starts asking you about Adam Beckman and um, he's a, like at times it seemed like he was in a checking, like playing on a checking line or a checking role. And Tim Army, the first thing he says is like, well, we don't have a checking line, which, okay, I don't know what, you know, if you're putting Brandon Baddock and Cody McLeod and Adam Beckman on a line together, I don't really know what your plan is with that line other than go kill people. So, you know, he's on a checking line, but okay. He called it a tempo line, energy line, which is a checking line. Um, but, you know, he doesn't have a checking line. And then he, he, so he starts talking about how he put, you know, Baddock, uh, Beckman and, and McLeod together on a line a lot of nights because they thought it would make him comfortable, which to me that says like, first of all, that doesn't really make sense to me. Um, you know, in theory, he's say like the, he's using the old, you know, you talk about big tough guys, you know, they're, they're going to create space on the ice. Um, you know, Adam Beckman's going to feel comfortable with the puck. The thing is, though, when you have Baddock and McLeod on a line together with Adam Beckman, how is Adam Beckman going to be comfortable? How is he going to find space with the puck when they don't have it? They literally never had the puck ever. So literally they were like on the four check, chipping the puck in deep, mucking it up behind the net, trying to win the puck throw it to the D like that. When that line was together, that was what they were doing. So, um, you know, other times it was like, you know, Beckman with McLeod and Susie's and there's a little bit less of just like running guys through the boards, but really the same in, in theory. So like, I don't really know what that meant. And to me, it either means that like 
Like it would have just made more sense if they were if he had mentioned something about whatever he wanted to see Adam Beckman play, you know, not just as a sniper or whatever. Want to have him, you know, go through whatever his struggles in the NHL, not the NHL, blah blah blah, something like that. But like to say that he was playing with Badek and McLeod and Susie's because he was playing with players that they thought would make him comfortable. But that's just just doesn't make sense to me because I don't know how a kid like Adam Beckman, who's a sniper, he's got like his future in the NHL, he's not going to be like a guy killing penalties and be scoring goals. And um, <laughs> I do understand wanting to develop a little bit more of a three zone game, but I don't <clears throat> know how you make that kid comfortable by saying, "Hey, we're going to have you not have the puck ever. Just go run, guys." Just doesn't make sense to me. You know, he didn't get a ton of power play time, so it's either. It was just a weird way of going about it. Or I think they might think he's just like soft, which that kid's not soft. Um, so I don't really know what their deal is with Beckman. If you listen to Bill Guerin talk about it, it's clearly different. But Tim Martin, and then the thing that actually really threw me off was, you know, so he's talking about how Beckman had, you know, he's great. He was great this year. Blah, blah, blah. We put him where we put him because we want to be comfortable without the puck. Um, and then he says that, uh, you know, in his exit meeting, in terms of what he should go work on in the summer, he told him to go into his driveway and shoot pucks. You're telling Adam Beckman that the thing that he needs to work on to make it to the NHL is to go home and simulate game situations and shooting pucks? That's what you want that kid to go work on in the summer, shooting pucks. What does that even mean? The kid is a sniper. The best part of his game is sh his shot. I think he hit the, <laughs> the crossbar of the post like seven times this season. Probably <laughs> more. No, no. Oh, no. <coughs> Possibly even more. Um, so I thought that was weird. I do think Beckman needs to get stronger. You know, he's a little bit of a twig, but um, and he's a gamer. He competes his ass off. I just thought that answer was so fucking weird. Um, and again, if they really told him that in the off season, he needs to go shoot pucks. That is crazy that that was, that was their big end of, I'm sure that wasn't really what they said to him, but, um, I just thought that was the weirdest answer of all time. Play with Baddock and McLeod, two guys who were running out there to fight so you can be comfortable, even though you're never going to touch the puck. And then in the off season, we want you to go home and he literally told, said, that he told Beckman to go home into his driveway and think of game situations and placing the puck and shooting pucks. I would have just said, Hey, you know, keep skating and get stronger or whatever, like whatever. But I don't know. So I don't know what they really do think of Beckman. Uh, I thought it was weird that they didn't want to be a black ace. And then I listened to Bill Guerin talk about it and it made a lot more sense. You know, it's like these guys, that, the black aces weren't really around the team a lot. They were really just getting bag skated after practice and then, um, you know, hanging out. So that made more sense to me there. I know that they had told like Bill Guerin, I guess, told Beckman, hey, take a week off, go rest, work out. Like just, you know, get back to the grind, get back to the gym. That's, uh, but, you know, take a little bit of time. You know, it's a long year down there in the fucking HL, and <clears throat> not every guy is going to go down there and, and put up a point per game. Marco Rossi did it. Marco Rossi is also a ninth overall pick. Adam Beckman's a third-round pick. So um, I still think that, you know, in the grand scheme of things, Beckman's year Beckman's year was fine. Um, he's still young. What is he, 20 years old? Um, and, you know, he's got plenty of time before he's going to try to make into the NHL. 
I still am not convinced he's totally ready yet. Um, I think he could probably play in the NHL, but um, you know, I do think another year in the A or at least starting down there is not going to hurt him by any means. So um, yeah, I just, again, I just thought those answers were just so bizarre and pot again, just that might've been the weirdest piece of advice to tell him that in the off season, he should go shoot pucks, but you know, we'll see. I don't know. It just rubbed me the wrong way because it, it was just so weird. But, yeah, I don't know. We'll see what they think about Adam Beckman. Um, all right. <coughs> Matty Ice, if we trade Dumbo, what do you think we could get in return? Maybe a mid to low first round? You know, I don't. I would be shocked if you got a first round pick. The only thing he really has going is he plays hard and he's a right shot D, but I just don't see – you know, maybe you get a couple mid-round picks. Maybe you get like a prospect in like a second or a third. But I, I don't see any team, you know, with how injured he's been. Um, you know, he's healthy. He's great. But he's been injured every year now and like bad injuries. A lot of really freak injuries. But um, some of them he does to himself. He's like bone rattling hits that he's throwing. So I don't really think <coughs> that you would get uh, <coughs> first round pick. I'm dead. Um So maybe, um, you know, if you're going all futures, maybe you're going just a couple mid-round picks, which I don't think they'd want to do in the first place. So, uh, again, I just don't see them ever trading him. Um, you know, we'll see what happens next offseason, but I just don't see. There, there's no – they were looking at this trade for, what, two two years now? Um, even though they, they do love Dumba, and I do too. I think he has a lot of flack unfairly, but – it is what it is. Um, but if that package was there, then, you know, he would have already been traded. So I just don't see them trading him. Um, and I, most of that, mostly because I just don't see there being a package that they'd be okay with, um, you know, parting ways with him. Ricky Wiggins, do you think next year, the number one center is in the organization parentheses, hoping we can find something better than Hartman. Uh, sadly, yeah, I do think that he'll be back there on the first line again. Listen, the guy scored what 30 something goals. I mean, it's working. Um, you know, it just didn't work in the playoffs, but every, the whole team, other than Erickson, Ekin, um, Kaprizov, and probably Middleton didn't really work in the playoffs. So, um, yeah, I don't think he's going anywhere. I think, I do think that I'd be shocked if they went out and found another first line center or a player that they'd put there unless you know marco rossi comes in and takes that spot um and you know you move hartman around somewhere <coughs> maybe like a hartman goudreau boldy line i don't know um but i do think he'll be back at that number one spot nanis krantz i don't know if i said that right sorry if i didn't how much will garen overpay malkin to be our one c hey there you go one c this offseason well it sounds like he's getting low ball to pittsburgh you know it's weird. Malkins, he's been he's been hurt the last couple of years, obviously, and he hasn't been himself. hasn't been that good. I think this year he's still a point per game. Um, so I mean, he still could play. I mean, he made a, he made a couple of plays in that first round of the playoffs. We're like, holy shit! Um, but I don't really know if I ever see Malkin leaving Pittsburgh for anywhere other than Russia. And uh, I wonder what he's really worth or what he's really going to end up getting. 
And it's fascinating. He's obviously older. The best of him is coming on, but there are still flashes, right? So, I mean, you can't tell me you're not a little bit interested in thinking about him and Caprice off together. Like, that could be a, a good cook. But, yeah, I just don't think likely. Uh, let's go wild 97 underscore 33. What are your thoughts on Wallstead in terms of when he could be NHL ready? I've heard people say everything from two years to a more standard typical development time for a goaltender. Not that there's much typical about him. No, there's not. That kid is unbelievable. Um, I've said it a million times on this podcast. Carson Lambeau just saved a goal. Not that. Um, I do think, you know, you're giving him at least one year in the AHL. I don't think he's going to need a whole lot more time than that. Um, you know, when you're looking at a kid who is as good as he is and has played at the level that he's played at, despite the fact you know, this kid's unbelievable. He's one of the best goaltending prospects, might be the best goaltending prospect on the planet, and he's playing in the pros over in Sweden. Um, and he's not like the most athletic dude in the world. It's just that's how smart he is, how good his instinct is and positioning and um, technique, all that good stuff. So, um, you know, I think you give him at least one year to adjust to the, to the North American game because it is drastically different than playing in Sweden. But, you know, this is a kid that's been playing pro hockey for two years now. So, um, you know, we'll see what it looks like next year in the AHL. Um, the whole team's going to be wildly different, um, and it's going to be very fun to watch. I legitimately cannot wait for this for this Iowa Wild team. And, again, I said the same thing last year, and the, this year's kind of torture. But... <coughs> <coughs> Uh, I, my, I'm still, I'm sticking with this, man. I think you give him one year in the AHL and, um, I really wouldn't be surprised if he ends up being ready, uh, you know, not next year, but the year after Fiala, how many years should Wallstead play in the A? I think a minimum of 1.5. So we just talked about that. I'm still sticking with one. Um, and then, you know, you're thinking about him being ready to play in the NHL. Again, he's probably not going to be, you know, the Igor Shosturkin, like come in and um, challenge for the Calder and then win the Hart and the Vezina Trophy. But, um, you know, this kid's legit. And, you know, the things that make him really good are things that are translated. The things that you need to be um, good at to be an effective NHL goaltender. You have to be smart. His positioning is unbelievable. Um, and, um, you know, he makes it work despite not being the most athletic or the biggest dude in the world. So. Tyler asks, with Lambos returning to the WHL, what are some things that he can focus on to make sure that he's still progressing and not getting complacent in a league he may be too good for? Uh, in what areas does he excel and where can he improve? I don't think he's necessarily too good for the WHL. Um, you know, again, I think I was saying it as the as the year went on that, hey, maybe this kid is ready to play in the AHL. I didn't really think that until the last little bit of the year. Um, I would like to see just be a little bit more consistent, maybe. Um, you know, I think in the offensive zone, he's obviously really he's incredible. You know, he's really good moving right to left. You know, we said it before, creating shooting lanes for himself. His shot is high end, especially when it's on target, when it's accurate. I mean, it's unbelievable. But, um, you know, I'd like to see a little bit more. Um, you know, creativity and activation and getting involved down low. I think defensively, I think, you know, there are times where he's reading plays and cutting plays off before they even happen. There's other times where he's kind of just, um, 
you know, going with the flow. So I think I'd like to see him be a little bit more proactive in both those areas. I'd like to see him, um, you know, get on the puck a little bit more in the offensive zone, aside from just being on the power play. Um, you know, I think next year he's going to be their number one power play option. This year they're going a lot with um, the Ben Lottie kid who's an overager. So I think next year you'll see him be their true number one, uh, both on that PK and on the power play. But, um, you know, I, I, I think, you know, again, this is a thing in his draft year too, when he was healthy and didn't have the, the health issues. Um, but, you know, there was always a little bit of consistency issues with him. Um, and then if you're really going to nitpick, you know, I've talked about his skating before that it's really good. His skating is really good. Uh, you know, especially the mobility right to left is unbelievable. It's, it's high end. It's, borderline elite um you know skating backwards he's incredible he's one of the best backward skaters i've seen a long time um <clears throat> but you know in terms of like pure acceleration explosiveness it's not really there like he's not the fastest dude in the world um but you know he makes it work it's not like a uh <coughs> it's not like a weakness or anything uh it's not like i'm crying But the skating can definitely improve. Sometimes it's a little bit like straight up, but um, you know, little things like that. But I think it really is just a consistency thing. And um, you know, there are games again where he's dominating, he's taking over games, and there's games where he's kind of just a passenger. But um, so a little bit more dynamic offense, um, consistency in the defensive zone. Um, I mean, I'd like to see him activate a little bit more off the rush. There are times where, you know, you're like, oh, here he goes. He can take all that space. Um, and whether it's because he knows he's not the fastest skater in the world, he kind of just opts for like a 40-foot a stretch pass. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it's just like, okay, just like kind of bounced off someone. At least it wasn't icing. Um, but <coughs> those would be the things for me um, that I'd like to see him work on a little bit more. So just overall consistency. Um, and then actually, sorry, a little, probably a little, little better decision-making sometimes the defensive zone. I think sometimes he can, um, you know, we talk about Ryan O'Rourke. The thing that he does is the risk reward thing, in the defensive zone. Like he doesn't mess around with the puck if he doesn't need to. Um, if he's, if he's spending more than two or three seconds on the puck, it's cause he knows he has space and he's getting up the ice and he's moving that puck. Sometimes Carson Lambos is just like, you know, he's looking to do a little bit too much, um, and not necessarily making the best decision in the world, but you know, he's a young kid too. So that's part of the maturity thing for sure. <coughs> and the final question, more excited for Hunter O'Rourke. <clears throat> I think O'Rourke's just a better overall defenseman, but I'm more excited to see what Damon Hunt um, looks like in Iowa, because, you know, we've been, I've been saying it the whole time. WHL, he's just getting away with things that he's not going to be able to do in the NHL or really the AHL. Um, you know, he's able to play pond hockey a little bit out there. He's able to kind of just like run around and be a rover where it's almost like he plays um, forward and defense, like, and he gets away with a lot of things just because he's kind of just a big alpha dog and no one can really fuck with him. So um, I am excited to see what that adjustment looks like. I'm curious to see who he ends up playing with um, because this is a kid, you know, we, the, the old adage, like he's got all the tools. Um, he does. He's a freak athlete. Uh, he's a good sized kid, tough as nails. Um, you know, and the skill it's there. So, um, I'm excited to see what he does in the AHL and what he looks like. And, um, again, this Iowa team is going to be, be a whole lot of fun. Um, and that's going to do it. That's the episode. Like I said, sorry that I missed last week. Um, what did I just say last week? Last week. 
Um, I'm pretty sure this was a dog shit episode, uh, mostly because I was dying the whole time. Um, and I'll be honest, I feel a little rusty. Um, the cough's getting to my head. I can feel it coming when I'm like mid sentence and I start like trailing off like this and I start dying. So if you stuck around for the whole thing, sorry. Um, I love you. And uh, maybe I'll be better next week. But realistically, we all know we all know the deal here. So uh, anyways, oh, here comes the cough. <coughs> oh, that was a good one, too. <coughs> oh, God. Um, anyways. All right. And, oh my god what a play by lambos that was so nasty of course right when we were talking about it what a play anyways okay now we, we really do have to go now um, i'll see you next week uh we'll we'll do something something good i'll try to come in with a plan next week and not just go mailbag off the dome all right bye